0: Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today we're joined by Michael Helms. Michael is co-CEO of Ionoptics, a company known for high-speed quantitative fluorescence, muscle mechanics, and tissue engineering research solutions. He's here to speak about new technology and methodology for fast data acquisition and functional analysis of cardiac myocytes. Let's jump in. So first, Michael, for you, in your opinion, how you brought this up, there was a lot of discussion about myosite isolation through the registration process. So the question is, how can we isolate better myosites and make better use of them? Can you share some tips, tricks, and suggestions for us?
1: That's a wide-ranging question. Um, I think a lot of an improvement has been made over the past years with good protocols that are also relatively straightforward for others to follow. Uh, I mean, the advent of libraries has Greatly improve things, but are also very good. collagenase type two uh, protocols around. Um, cell culture has also, also been improved. I mean, we see that on uh, the second day after lesion isolations, so the contractility and the appearance of the myosis is, uh, is about as good as uh, on day one. We used uh, the protocol from Peter Lippen-Homburg. I think we used side as a ectomycin inhibitor to uh, prevent the myosis from hypercontracting. That made, that made a major improvement. Uh, I know there's also other protocols out there. Uh, we recently found a protocol that actually doesn't even use a Langdorf perfusion, which would, again, make life easier. Um, but there are many ways out there. Circumstances differ. What there actually should be is there should be some assay to test certain aspects of the cells resulting from the isolation to know that you're on the right track or not. Mm-hmm. That's maybe at least, at least as important. Uh, I'm not sure if Joe has to add something to that. Uh,
2: no, not really. I mean, there's always a lot of variability. At some point, there needs to be somebody that does kind of an overview of different isolation techniques and actually publishes something that addresses, you know, how, how you would get the best myocytes, but it's, it's hard to find that information. Every lab seems to have varying results.
1: Uh, to, to add to that, even with our system, we find that higher source of Variation is still intra experimental variability between, between different isolations. So it's, 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 it's an ongoing struggle to get it right. Um, mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say, th- this also points to doing higher throughput, so that variability kind of goes out in the wash, and you can get more information, e- even with you know, variability from myocytes. The more information you collect, um, the more you can make use of, of those cells.
0: No, and your point, uh, Michael, about finding tests to standardize or or evaluate the isolation methods. And downstream tests are equally point, important, right?
1: To determine well, what, what, what is what working. I, what a high through process for allows you to do for sure is to do a to do a baseline study every day you do an isolation. So it took us 45 minutes. And I think you can improve on that. And Then you get a frequency distribution to see where you are in the ballpark with your other isolations or mm-hmm. other labs published. Mm-hmm. That could be, a, that could become a standard curve.
0: Very good. Great thoughts. Perhaps after the webinar, we'll have to think about some resources or things that we might be able to direct to the audience and those that registered to on this subject, because it sounds like from the way you guys have, have discussed this with me in the background as well, it's an ongoing and important discussion to have as part of this research. Next question. What are some of the ways that we can address the variability we see in both data acquisition and analysis? So again, Michael, you spoke a bit about this, but maybe you can cycle back.
1: There's a couple of sources of variation after you take out the, the cell isolation itself. And that is one important one is environmental control. One of the weaknesses of the existing ion optic system is that you, you have to use perfusion to te- keep the temperature constant. And it's hard to keep it really constant. Um, and if you don't pay attention, your temperature temperature will differ, which will greatly affect the kinetics of your, uh, of your, of your data. So being in a box where you can guaranteed constant temperature will greatly help, especially if at some point we add uh, CO2 control and humidity control, then you can just leave all your cells in the microscope for a long time. You don't have to disturb them anymore. And I think that will actually extend the duration of your experiments that you can do measurements. The other thing is that um, you take out the user bias by automating the experiments. That has an upside and a downside. If you take out the user bias, you also take cells that you maybe otherwise wouldn't check, like that are very contractile or have very little contractility, but at least you take out the bias. And if you do enough cells, they just become the tails of, uh, of your distribution. So that's all right, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And the last thing is there's a reason why medicine studies have done double blight, because no matter how hard you try, if you know what you want the outcome to be, you're biased. But if you fully automate the analysis, there won't be a bias anymore because you, you can't cherry pick your data. Right. So I think that is there's not a contribution where it just does it and you just accept the rejection criteria that are set. Those are good points. Joe, do you have anything to add on that one?
2: Just reiterate the what Michael mentioned about temperature control, there is likely to be inherent variability in the myocytes and there's nothing that we could or should do it about it. It's just the way they are. But everything beyond that is is, is some failure in, in the system the way it's set up. By controlling temperature better, we're, we're eliminating one of the variabilities that we see in our, our low-throughput systems, and that is small fluctuations in temperature have an effect on the contractile performance of the myocytes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Next question, this one's from Frederic, and the question is, in your experience, how reliable are measurements of cells with uh, irregular sarcomere structure? An example here would be iPSC cells
1: or yes. cardiomyocytes. Uh, you say. have to you have to accept that they, they are somewhat immature. They are immature by definition because they don't have a fairly regular sarcomere structure. Right. That that being given, the amount of organization is determines how regularly and how well they contract. And if you look at the cell while you're doing the treatment, you you still get an assessment of whether you improve or Make contraction worse. Don't forget, we're not looking for absolute numbers in most cases. We're looking at an assay where we see whether something is changing or not. Right. In adult myocytes is easy because you have this very regular pattern and you can, yeah, you have some absolute data to go with. But even in the neonatal myocytes or or stem cells, by looking at changes when you add a drug, you will be able to find whether, uh, whether there's an effect and kinetics as well. uh, so, yeah, you, you, you can use it even if you can't measure the circumference length. You just have to adjust your thoughts and mm-hmm. realize it's an essay and it's not an absolute measurement. Huh?
0: Right. Right. Okay. So, uh, basically, just uh, larger or wider confidence intervals in that type of application. And it just has to be worked into the scope of the project.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Very good. We're,
1: we're, we're, we're fully planning to protocol to, to neonatals and, and stem cells, but it's not a first priority. Our first priority is the area where it's, where it's needed hardest, and then a the adult isolated myocytes. So.
0: Okay. Very good. Next question, Stephen Marston has asked, is it possible to make successive measurements on the same set of cells after adding different doses or drugs, for instance, an agonist?
1: Absolutely. Okay. It's critical that you control your environment very well, so the cells survive for a long time. And one of the key things is to let the cells stabilize before you measure them. We stabilize them by plating them with laminin and let them sit for an hour. And then we put in the microscope, and since you don't move, I'm actually used to, from my experience, you can do with tyroids, you can do 20, 20 minutes experiments max before the cells start to deteriorate. But it turns out not to not be true. If you don't move them, and the is very constant, we actually did dose response curve with the same dish for four concentrations of isopraternal. That's not the data that I showed you, by the way. And the cells were fine too. They kept beating and beating for an hour and a half, two hours, and we couldn't find a noticeable difference. So actually, I think you can get much more out of your cells than you could in the past just by controlling the situation better. Mm-hmm. I think actually moving the dish is quite detrimental to the cell. Huh? So th- that having said, it is entirely possible to measure well, incubate with a drug, in the Meanwhile, you can measure the next well. When we you've measured the next well, you can return to the first well and measure the effect of the compound. Just to piggyback
2: on that, Michael, one of the things that we're, we're uh, working on now is, is to introduce CO2 so that you, we could move away from Tyrodes and use bicarbonate buffered systems. The cells seem to do much better in bicarbonate buffered systems as well.
0: Perfect. Very good. And actually, this, maybe this question relates, I, th- I think it does, it's something that's come in from Frederic again. How does pacing and perfusion in the system work at the moment?
1: It depends whether you use one well or a multiple plate. With a one well, we just have an inlet and another for solution. Mm-hmm. You're in a microscope, so you can, can't see what is happening. So I didn't want to have a perfusion system where you use vacuum to siphon off the solution because everybody who does the experiments knows occasionally that goes wrong. And I don't want something to go wrong that I can't see happening. So instead, what we move to is to have uh, precise pumps and we do balance flow. So we know exactly how much we put in, mm-hmm. we know exactly how much we take out. And by having a multiple fells on the, on the pump, we can switch solutions uh, or switch between wells. Okay. The pacing, we, we just literally put a box in between that allows to select which well is being paced. So this is a non-issue if you just have a single dish. Mm-hmm. But if you have a multiple-well plate, we can address each well individually. Up, right now, up to eight wells, but we're we'll going to improve that in the future.
2: Huh? It's also worth noting, the microscope itself has a, a sensor in it and a, and a drip tray in case something goes sideways. So even though you can't see it, there are some fail-safes there to prevent damage to the microscope.
1: Okay. But still, I'd rather not spill.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And actually, I'm on
0: on this note as well, is it the case that the pacer is included in the microscope, microscope setup, or is that a separate part that needs to be added on to the uh,
1: system? It, it, it's a separate part. Um, okay. Uh, we we haven't been thinking about it, and I'm not that excluding that it will happen in the future because it's actually not all that difficult. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: we, we started the company in September 2015. We have just shipped our first system. So what we did is we made the absolutely minimal fiber product that gave us really good results, and we decided to worry about the peripherals after that, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, we're doing, which we're addressing right now. Okay. But the system does include a, a,
2: a field stimulator. Yes, correct. It's just not built into the microscope. Correct. Right.
0: Yeah. So effectively what you're doing now is you would be compiling a system with the necessary components, but you yeah, see an option yeah. to incorporate some of these in a future version of the product.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. The less boxes clutter your desk, the better it is, I think. Right,
0: right. Okay, a question from Lily. Just is it the case that only a thirty-five millimeter dish can be used in, in the system?
1: No. So far, we have used two types of dishes. Okay. We have used uh, one particular eight-well dish from IBD It works well because we can, without moving anything, we can actually observe four wells at uh, at the same time. Okay. And we just we're, we're working right now to. Uh, Automated for a twenty-four well plate, but we're already do measurements with the twenty-four well plates. Uh, do you see any expansion
0: in this area, just to accommodate different types of plates, or?
1: Yeah, in the end, it's uh, once you have a motion system that can move a large plates around, you can use any this type this type of race. So, I wanted to make as generic a system as possible, so that you're not you definitely shouldn't be stuck with buying consumables from us. Uh, right. Because I don't think that is very nice because other, other people are much better at making consumables. So I wanted, to make it to, I wanted to get a situation where you can use what you're used to using and what you think is perfect for your experiments. We'll try to accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, okay, another question. Well, this one
0: comes from Mayal. And the question is, does the reliability of data depend on the force of the contraction? And if so, is there a threshold for this? From your
1: experience? Hard question to answer because, of course, if you measure a segment shortening, it's always a proxy of the actual force that is being developed. It doesn't necessarily translate. I mean, it, it, it's to depend, it's slightly determined by the duration of your calcium transient. Uh, what I would say is that um, if you measure a lot of cells and you get your, you get your distribution, you also have the options in your further analysis to cut off the tails, of the distribution, and to stick with. That's kind of a statistical question, actually, that I would have to, to sort out mm-hmm. probably. So far, it was kind of a non-issue because you didn't have the option. Right. So I'm actually, no, I don't have a perfect answer to that question in my head, no? Okay, well,
0: that would be a good one to que- include in the Q&A report. Give it some thought.
1: I'll, I'll think about it and write it down.
0: Then. Yeah, no, very good. Well, how could these studies using the high throughput system be used, like in your opinion? Maybe, Michael, you could start. Uh, how do you envision this system supporting cardiac safety studies?
1: We have to make a serious effort in, uh, the, in the ability to support measuring as many compounds as possible so you can. Uh, so, so you can repeat the testing on multiple compounds. Um, let, let, let me rephrase that slightly. But you can't get away from, from with high throughput. which is that you still need to measure from a number of animals or a number of preparations. I'm hesitant to say animals. I know that the company in San Diego and Abayas is now doing it with, uh, with human mice, mice sites that they acquire on a fairly regular basis. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're actually dealing with it issue because we've we, 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 we got them a system to do this. Uh, so you still need to do it on a number of preparations. But you can, each day that you have preparation, you can test a large number of compounds and repeat the same number of compounds in the next day. So we try to facilitate as much as possible so you can measure small batches, say 50 cells in a well, and then move on to the next well that or has a different concentration or a different compound. So you can look at cardiac toxicity effects. I mean, we're a long ways from being a true high throughput system where you can test thousands of compounds, but uh, we can definitely move up in the chain, I think, of the way you test for it. You know? But then if you want to test for cardiotoxicity, the, the animal model is at least as important as the actual measurements itself. Mm-hmm. We can detect the arrhythmias, but, but the model has to uh, be correct.
0: Right. Can this be used on myocardial tissue to assess contractility on whole tissue or engineered strips? This question comes from Alan York.
1: Yes, there's no reason why not to. We didn't design it that way, but uh, if you can move to different wells, you can also move to different wells that have engineered heart tissue in it. Mm-hmm. And even if we don't measure, measure sarcoma length, mm-hmm. we also have edge detection, so you can just follow the, the bending of the pillars. So there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to use it. And you can do fluorescence and contractility at the same time, whatever kind of fluorescence you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So th- I, th- I say the answer is unambiguously yes. Um, Perfect. And um, can we measure contractility
0: on each cell of each of the cells for more than five seconds?
1: Yes. Of course, you just adjusted yeah. the protocol. Uh, the, I, I picked the five seconds for a reason because I uh, we paced them at two hertz, and I think ten contractions uh, gives you a good image of the cell. But I know that people that are already using the system. Use, so for example, twenty seconds seconds because that gives them the best chance of catching a rhythmic event. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have to figure out what works. And, of course, it's a trade-off between how long you look at a cell and how many cells you can do. But that's that's an experimental question. Yeah, you can set up the protocol any way you want. Uh, you can look at 100 seconds per cell. You just won't be able to do that many. Yeah?
0: Sure. Okay, very but good. In
1: that case, you're, pro- you're, you're probably better off looking at 10 cells and coming back to the same cell every time and measuring for 5 or for 10 seconds again. Very good. Any uh, Any final thoughts, Joe, on that or...? No, I think I think
2: Michael is pretty clear. The experiment setup is similar to the existing ion optic software, IonWizard. You can define the duration of the experiments. There are new features that allow you to loop, so you can loop back to uh, to various epochs, if you're familiar with the software, mm-hmm. and that, that's simply just the duration of acquisition for each cell. So there's actually more functionality coming to make it even even more expandable and more flexible.